This is your radio station, Lake of the Ozarks, 89.3 KEYK, Osage Beach, Missouri, The Key. I'm Stacy Johnson, and this is your Lake Expo News Cut for Tuesday, January 4th. Take a deeper dive at lakeexpo.com. A 17-year-old boy was seriously injured Saturday in a crash on Route RA, and Deborah Kirk of Gravois Mills was injured the same day in a crash on Highway 135 South. Both were transported by ambulance to Lake Regional Hospital. According to the crash report, neither was wearing a seatbelt. A judge has approved a change of venue for the trial of Tonkaway Khan Ponder, who has been charged with first-degree assault and armed criminal action for the biker club shooting on the Lake Ozark Strip. The trial was moved to St. Charles County, and Ponder also entered a plea of not guilty during the hearing. Big Thunder Marine, the largest marine dealership at Lake of the Ozarks, has acquired Ozark Yacht Club, a premier full-service marina on Lake of the Ozarks. The acquisition of Ozark Yacht Club joins Glencoe Marina and Lakeport Marina. Fred Ross, Big Thunder Marine owner, says they're excited to add such a beautiful property and looks forward to developing OYC into a premier destination for all their clients. For more stories like these, head to thelakeexpo.com, download our free app from the App Store and Google Play to get more Lake of the Ozarks news. Lakeexpo.com, the lake's trusted news source. Portions of the programming on Key Radio are made possible through a generous donation from LakeExpo.com. LakeExpo.com is a locally owned daily news website connecting residents, second homeowners, visitors, and the boating community to the Lake of the Ozarks. Lake Expo features real estate and boats for sale, upcoming events at the lake, and their exclusive boating club, X-Tow. Download the free Lake Expo app on the App Store and Google Play. LakeExpo.com, the lake's trusted news source. Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Tuesday. We've got some high school basketball on the way tonight. Camdenton and Osage go head-to-head at Osage. It's the Lakers and Indians, and you can see that game on Lake TV tonight. Camdenton off to a slow start to the season. Osage off to a pretty good start. Indians looking to avenge a loss to the Lakers last year. Also tonight, Eldon busy at home against Lebanon. And Versailles playing in the Stover Tournament this week. You can see Versailles coach Jason Oliver featured on this week's High School Basketball Coaches Show on Lake TV Tuesday through Friday at 10 in the morning, 2 in the afternoon, and 6 at night. One last college football bowl game tonight. That's the Texas Bowl, LSU and K-State. Ought to be a good one. They kick that off at 8 o'clock tonight. Of course, we've still got the national championship game, too. That will be next Monday night. It'll be Alabama against Georgia. Georgia, the early favorite to win that one. I know... A lot of people would like to see Georgia knock off the Crimson Tide in that one. College hoops, 
MSU Bears are 10 and 5 on this season. They will be at Bradley tomorrow night. Chiefs getting a little bit of rest before the final game of the regular season. They travel to play Denver this weekend. The Chiefs have wrapped up a playoff spot. They've won the division, but they lost the number one seed in the AFC with that loss last week. In order to get it back, they'll have to beat Denver this week and have the Titans lose in Houston, and Houston is not very good this year. Packers with the best record in the NFL, 13-3. and The Buccaneers and Rams, 12-4. and The Chiefs right up there at 11-5. and the Rams and Packers are the hottest teams in the NFL right now. Hey, you got to check out KB on TV. That's right, KB's show on Lake TV is What's Burning. You can see it at 7 in the morning, 5 in the afternoon, and 11 at night. You can watch Lake TV on Como Channel 90, free on Roku and Fire Stick, and streaming live 24-7 at MyLakeTV.com. I'm Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Tuesday. The serving table provides free meals at Key Gathering Place, Wednesdays 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. and Thursdays 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. It's the continuing mission of Jacob and Carly Lamb to serve people in need. But this is not just about free food. Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Spiritual food is as great a need as the meals Jacob prepares, and we need volunteers to join in so the serving table can open every day. Learn more at keygatheringplace.com or search Facebook before the serving table. like to become a content provider, simply contact the Lakes Community Radio Station at 89.3, The Key. All right, it is 8.07, and good morning. Thank you so much for taking some time to hang out with us here. Another edition of The Daily Show for this fourth day of January 2022. And so far, I am, uh, uh, as far as four days into the new year, I am 0 for 4 in writing 2021 on things. I have not, not... Uh, not screwed that up yet. <laughs> but there's still time. I've still got the rest of the month to go. Normally we do that for about, what, the first 30 days or so. 50 degrees, the expected high today, a low tonight of around 22. We are at 29 degrees now. And uh, the S word creeping back into the forecast for Thursday. As a matter of fact, I've seen uh, some of those uh, meteorologists out there, the guys that get paid, uh, you know, regardless what happens with the weather, they can be right 
half the time wrong, half the time, and still get a paycheck. Those are pretty good odds. I kind of like that job. Uh, they're predicting Thursday might be uh, a day where we see some snow, see some accumulation. We're only going to have a high of about 18. But before we get to Thursday, let's take a look at Wednesday. Partly cloudy with a high of 32, a low of 13. Thursday, 18 the high, 10 above for the low. And uh, some snow showers possible in the morning there. Now talking uh, again, as I said, the possibility of maybe a little accumulation. 36 the high on Friday with a low 24 and a partly cloudy sky. 49, uh, that's at this point uh, following today, the warmest day uh, of the week. 49 for Saturday, low 35 and a cloudy sky. Showers on Sunday, a high of 40 and a low of 19 degrees. Again, we are at... Uh, just about 20 degrees here in beautiful downtown Camdenton on South 5, South Business 5. And getting ready for our uh, interview with uh, Chris Franken, who is, uh, I just, I had enough time to ask him after doing this <laughs> and getting done with it, he's coming back around to want to do it again. And uh, I guess we'll find out here in just a minute whether or not uh, Chris is a glutton for punishment or or what uh, is the basis for him uh, wanting to throw his hat back into the ring and run for presiding commissioner of Camden County. Current lake level at 658.5, river level at 551.89. And uh, he joins us right here in studio at uh, the key gathering place to talk more about the fact that uh, he is going to make a run for the job of presiding commissioner of Camden County. Good morning, sir. Good morning, KB. It's It's been been a while. while. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It has been a while. We haven't talked, uh, we, we've talked a little bit in the last couple of months because, of course, you wanted to get in here and and uh, have an opportunity to come on uh, Key Radio and talk about uh, running for presiding commissioner. Before we get into all of that, what have you been up to uh, since we really kind of saw you more in the capacity of a, of a commissioner? Well, actually, I've just been doing what I was doing before I was doing that job. Uh, right. It's a con- all mostly construction-based. Right. Uh, so I do a lot of wastewater work, uh, but I do full-service construction. Um, I try to stay away from HVAC and drywall, but other than that, most other things are game. Right. Uh, I have been coaching uh, robotics for the Camdenton School District at the middle school level, 7th and 8th grade. Wow. Um, they, th- those kids keep me on my toes. <laughs> uh, that age group is very interesting, and um, they're kind of at a, a, kind of a different stage in their life. Right. But we had one competition already prior to the holiday. And what's interesting about those kids is that they compete against high schoolers most of the time because the Camdenton Robotics program is a little unique and they have all the progressions. So when they get to the high school level, they get to the big robot, which is like a 125-pound rig that they build and they program and to compete with. But these kids, uh, it's a lower level that's uh, less financially intrusive for the district. So a lot of other schools that don't have the funding for the program that Camdenton does their high school, that's what they do, is a lower progression. And uh, we have two teams this year at that level, and they do- both did extremely well at the meet in Rolla. And uh, I don't know if we'll make it to state this year or not, but the kids are, are they're doing a good job. Robotics, uh, for people who are a little foreign to that, uh, that topic, explain what it is. I mean, I've seen it. Um, I worked with a woman whose son was involved in it, but I, I, I just don't have a very good working knowledge of it. Uh, what's, what's the basis of all of this? So, uh, you know, when you say it, the first pe- thing people say is, oh, wow, BattleBots, that's really cool. Right. And BattleBots. That's Bot- what I thought, too. <laughs> and BattleBots is really cool, but that's not what we're doing. Uh, so every year the game changes. The only thing you know about the game at the beginning of every year is it's played on a 12-by-12 field. 
and they give you, and you know that your robot has to start size-wise within an 18-inch cube mm -hmm. uh, before you can compete. So aside from that, then they throw a game out every year that's different. They have, you have different particles that you have to manipulate, things you have to do to score, different programming parameters you have to put in. You start from scratch. You build a new robot every year. You reprogram that robot every year, and you make it everything fit that game. Mm -hmm. And so that's, in a nutshell, what they do. So when I was in school, and in, in, specifically in high school, they were just telling us and showing us how to write a basic computer program. So that was years ago, back in the 80s. <laughs> and we've come quite a long way since then. Yes, we have. And it's amazing what the kids are doing with those, uh, those programs now. And uh, I guess, you know, they talk about things like artificial intelligence. They talk about things like... Uh, uh, you know, robots that uh, do jobs for uh, for people on the various levels. Sounds rather interesting. So at some point here, um, when was it that you kind of felt like you wanted to uh, get back to uh, county government? I would say that it really got, the discussion got serious somewhere around last May to last June. Uh, just different things that were going on. Uh, it, it's kind of funny, and I, I can only assume that other people that have held the office previously have had the same experiences in that people get upset with things that happen, so they call you, and they say, well, you, you have to do something about that. And my response normally is, I am uniquely unqualified to do something about that, mm -hmm. because when you've held the office... If you stand up and try to exert that type of authority, if you will, uh, you don't have it anymore. That's not who you are. You're a citizen just like everybody else. So you have essentially the same power to initiate a change or some type of revelation with regard to that situation. And um, those calls started increasing. Really? And so I just started talking to people that, I trust their opinion, and um, I was getting most of the kind of response I got was something along the lines of, well, what took you so long? <laughs> and <laughs> What took you so long? <laughs> you know, so I, I – and, you know, and, and everybody has their group of supporters, so everybody has different feelings about, you know, who they want to see in that office. And, um, and, and one of Camden County's big assets, in my opinion, is – we do have a very diverse set of opinions, ideas, um, and, and I think that's one of the things that makes this county what it is. Right. Uh, that being said, there's not going to, nobody, we don't always all agree, and we shouldn't, because if we all agree all the time, we don't get any new ideas, we don't get any fresh perspectives. So, you, uh, was, you, you said people were calling you. Was there a particular... Uh, time when those calls started to surge based on a particular topic uh, and and if so what was that topic uh, something that was obviously being handled on the the county level that uh, people weren't happy with so they thought just because you used to do the job that maybe you still it's like when I go to the store people know that I work in radio so they'll ask me what the weather forecast is uh, supposed to be like and I'm supposed to know <laughs> it's kind of the same thing I guess when you used to be in county government somebody asks you a question or they have a gripe they they come up to you Chris and they say well here's what 
the problem is, and here's what I want you to do about it. And they expect you to. And you just did it. Snap your fingers and make it so. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, So one of the things that I, I, that was really important to me when I was in was I tried to be a steward of the law. Mm -hmm. And so, and I kind of like to take just a slight tangent on that to point out that, you know, we are a republic, which means that what, what changes us from a, or differentiates us from a democracy is that we have that rule of law. And we have a problem in this country as a whole that if we don't like a law, we're just going to ignore it or we're going to try to subvert it or we're going to do something like that. The law is what guides us, and that's one of the reasons we have the, a problem that we have in this county is we have leadership that wants to ignore what the law says or how something's supposed to be done. I always try to be a steward of the law, of the code, of our local laws, and I always encouraged people when they would come up and they would say, I don't like this rule or that rule, and I would say, well, what do you think about working, getting a group together, let's talk about this Mm -hmm. and, and work to change it. And so that was always a tack that I took. But to get back to the question that you actually asked, mm-hmm. it all really started with the Gravelgate event. So that was when, um, because people know that I know where to find information. And so um, I started digging a little bit. I did have, uh, then there were some other people out there that are very savvy in coming up with information they found out that I was working to work on that. They had some things I didn't have. We collaborated and put together um, basically all the information to show what the truth with regard to that situation was. Uh, I didn't really come forward with that. It's all sitting on my desk. Uh, But then that moved on to it kind of morphed into the parking lot situation up at the the Stone Ridge Amphitheater. Mm -hmm. And that really got me um, motivated, I guess I would say. And at that point, with some of the statements that were made regarding what the anticipated value of that structure was and how they were justifying those numbers, I decided to literally take 15 minutes of my time and write a cost-benefit analysis to show exactly what the cost and benefit of that structure was and showed that it was a complete and total waste of county funds. Um, I will also say that I I didn't have to go after all the information on that. There are people that already had sunshine that information that provided me with all the actual invoices and all the things that were paid out to complete that project. And so it, it is nice to have people that are willing to help offset your time, especially when you're still working for a living during the day, like most right. of us do, right? because you only have so much time to do that. So um, that, that was p- kind of the, 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 the thing that really, really got it going and uh, pushed it off center, I guess I would say. So what do you feel as, as far as, you know, what you're seeing now? And uh, maybe you've even talked to some of the folks that are doing the job right now. What do you see as one of the bigger issues that you feel needs to be addressed as far as this county is concerned to keep us moving forward? I've got, go ahead. I was just going to say, seems like our economy is doing well, but 
I, I think that's because we live in an area where, you know, we've been able to prosper based on what's happening in other places with COVID and things like that. People are coming here in, in droves to live here and enjoy the Lake of the Ozarks experience because they see what a great place this is. But as far as you're concerned, the uh, one of the bigger issues that you think needs to be addressed here. Well, unfortunately, there's there's more than one, but um, I'm I'll kind of touch on on the ones that I feel are can potentially cause us some real serious issues. Mm-hmm. You brought up a really good point in that the economy's good because mm-hmm. it is the economy's stellar, and it's stellar for the reason that you just referenced. It's stellar because we're open, we're here, we're working. This is a great place, and people are coming here because. Basically, everybody, every place else kind of stinks right now, the way they're doing things. (laughs) And with all that extra money, what are the people of Camden County seeing as increased services? And the answer to that is they're not seeing a thing. Second district roads are falling apart. The money that is coming in, I mean, I haven't, I'm going to start working on things to try to figure out exactly where they're spending it, but I already pretty well know. Mm Uh, this is the most litigious commission that has been in existence since I've been at Lake of the Ozarks. I've been here for 28 years. There is a lot of money going down the sewer because of the way we're doing things because we're not doing them right up mm-hmm. there. And so it's, 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 it's causing lawsuits. Um, you have a contributor, Mr. Maupin, who uh, regularly frequents the meetings. I saw him make a comment other th- the other day that I thought was very spot on and he was commenting on the insurance bids and i believe i may have the numbers not quite right because i kind of skimmed what he said 10 people were solicited for insurance bids in one person bid that's a problem because now you don't have competition nobody's competing for camden county's insurance business there's a reason for that it's because there's too many payouts and there's also tons of pending liability sitting there that they know is going to be a payout because when you go to have your insurance bid, you have to disclose all pending lawsuits to those providers so mm-hmm. that they know what they're stepping into. And the other issue that you have with that is that it's creating a liability down the road because anybody who has dealt with commercial insurance knows that insurance companies are not in the business of paying claims. They're in the business of collecting premiums. Unless you have a truly catastrophic failure, a catastrophic event, or a catastrophic loss, you're just borrowing that money from the insurance company. You're going to pay it back over the course of the next four or five years, which means that that is going to eat into the budget at a level that is increased above what the current insurance budget number is. Mm -hmm. And that's a huge issue because that is one of the, aside from payroll and benefits, Insurance is one of your next biggest things that you have to deal with in order to keep the county solvent, solvent and working within the scope of the law. Um, there, you know, the, the commission originally, the original com- intent of commissioners was to do basically two things. Number one is to administer the budget and appropriate funds. Two is to take care of the roads. In fact, back in the day, commissioners were referred to slash called road judges Mm -hmm. a lot of people remember that right um that's an it you know 
neither one of those jobs are really being done very well right now, and those are the primary things that are going on. And our economy, as we know, is predominantly, for the county, is predominantly funded through sales tax revenues. So because they're, they're funded through sales tax revenues, it is paramount that we maintain a healthy economic activity level. Otherwise, we don't have as many, as many funds to provide services to the county. Well, there's a couple of things that are causing issues with that. The first thing I'm going to bring up is something that happened recently, and it is the zero lot line change for the setback on the lakeside in the plane and zoning code. Now, the first thing I want to say is I am 100% in favor of the zero lot line. 100%. However, it's just like everything else that's occurred. It wasn't done correctly. There's a lot of people that remember what we went through in the relicensing the Bagnell Dam back in for the 2010, mm -hmm. it, that, that era. And we had 3,000 plus structures that were built on Ameren ownership land. Long story short through all that, we worked really hard through that and we got a pass and we got all those structures legal. We're not gonna get an opportunity to do that again. That was our one pass. That was our one, hey, we didn't know we were doing this or we didn't see that this was gonna be an issue. Mm -hmm. Every 20 years they relicense that dam. So in 2030, somebody's gonna get to play that game again. So the issue is, is this, the zero lot line's fine. It can be indemnified by a, by a surveyor. But one of the things that a lot of people learned through the course of the Amory licensure was that Ameren ownership changes everywhere along the lake. It is not a static elevation. And I, all the, the, the only change in that code was that that setback can be zero. If Ameren, Missouri is not signing off on a zero lot line permit to verify that they are not building on Ameren ownership land, we are creating another potential issue for anybody that builds in that area. Mm -hmm. It's a very simple thing. It's one line in the code. Well, <clears throat> and it's interesting because the way the economy has been for the lake area uh, you know, there's been a lot of real estate that has changed hands in a very short time. And a lot of these developers are looking at expanding on what they already have. In particular, uh, I think over there around Portachima, they're really looking at expanding. So I guess it's necessary to make sure that we have all of our ducks in a row before people start building. And then we come back to deal with a problem uh, that was a huge problem for a lot of people the last go around. Right. And the thing of it is, is, you know, that people that th there's people out there that when when I had that conversation about, well, you know, it's buyer beware. And it is to a point. I mean, when you buy a house, a structure, a property, yeah, you're supposed to have disclosures and things like this, but it is still buyer beware. But I think that, you know, like you, we just said that we had tons of new people coming in here. They don't know anything about how the lake works, how things are set up. You know, and this is a very, very unique situation. It, you know, you're not going to find a situation with a body of water that you can build directly on that has all of the parameters in play that we have in play here. And like I said, I'm 100% in favor of that 
zero lot line because it really opens up expansion possibilities, things that we want to see here at the lake. It just needs to be done correctly so that we don't get people that get caught with structures that are going to not have marketability or going to end up in a, in, in a litigation situation. 8.28 is our time, and our guest is uh, Chris Franken. He has announced his candidacy for the uh, position of Camden County Presiding Commissioner. we got a couple of, just about a minute, a minute and a half before we have to take a break here, but I'm wondering if the things that you're pointing out now, if people don't look back on when you were the presiding commissioner of Camden County before and say, well, you didn't do this and you didn't do that, and <clears throat> your previous record becomes an issue for what you're trying to do now because it's, it's kind of tough, I guess, for somebody who's done the job to come in with a clean slate. And so does that concern you? Does that bother you? Does you know anything that happened when you were presiding commissioner of Camden County as far as your record? You mentioned litigation and litigation issues. And, um, you know, does any of that, are, are you afraid any of that might come back to haunt you uh, in, in this, you know, current run for presiding commissioner? Well, you don't get a clean slate. I right. mean, that's for sure. Yeah. And, you know, of course, there's going to be, you know, one, we have a lot of single issue voters out there that, you know, once they get something that, you know, that that's in their crawl, you know, you're not going to get rid of that. And those right. people are going to be out there. And there's there's nothing that you can say to change their mind about anything uh, with regard to litigation. I had no new litigation against the commission when I ran the last time mm -hmm. that was focused at the commission. Now, when you're a commissioner, you get named in every lawsuit, whether you had anything to do with it or not. There was some, some sheriff's department litigation that we were named in, but it wasn't because of anything that we did. So uh, with that regard to that, you know, I was always very careful about what we did and, and researched things and tried to make sure that we did things the best possible way and stayed within the scope of the law. Um, you know, I'm not going to say that I did everything perfect because I didn't. Mm -hmm. There are some things that I could have done better, and I'll be the first one to say that. But as far as what you see going on, I, I don't feel like there's anybody out there that, A, knows the law or the job as well as I do. I know that there's nobody that's going to create the kind of work product that I created when I was in there because the work product that's come out of the commission in the last eight years is zero. Everything has been pushed off to somebody else, and that's where Camden County's money, some of it is gone. The commission has, in my opinion, a fiduciary responsibility to produce primary work product in order to get the ball rolling on things because that's what you're paying them to do, right. not to walk around like a big shot. It is 8.30. We're going to... Uh Take uh, a few minutes to get some information headed your way. Stacy Johnson from Lake Expo, the Lake's trusted news source. Chris Schneider's got a check of sports. Of course, Chris with Lake TV, and we'll come back and talk some more with our guest, Chris Franken, who has officially announced his candidacy for Camden County Presiding Commissioner right here on Key Radio. I'm Stacy Johnson. And this is your Lake Expo News Cut for Tuesday, January 4th. Take a deeper dive at lakeexpo.com. A 17-year-old boy was seriously injured Saturday in a crash on Route RA, and Deborah Kirk of Gravelois Mills was injured the same day in a crash on Highway 135 South. Both were transported by ambulance to Lake Regional Hospital. According to the crash report, neither was wearing a seatbelt. 
a judge has approved a change of venue for the trial of Tonkaway Khan Ponder, who has been charged with first-degree assault and armed criminal action for the biker club shooting on the Lake Ozark Strip. The trial was moved to St. Charles County, and Ponder also entered a plea of not guilty during the hearing. Big Thunder Marine, the largest marine dealership at Lake of the Ozarks, has acquired Ozark Yacht Club, a premier full-service marina on Lake of the Ozarks. The acquisition of Ozark Yacht Club joins Glencoe Marina and Lakeport Marina. Fred Ross, Big Thunder Marine owner, says they're excited to add such a beautiful property and looks forward to developing OYC into a premier destination for all their clients. For more stories like these, head to thelakeexpo.com, download our free app from the App Store and Google Play to get more Lake of the Ozarks news. Lakeexpo.com, the lake's trusted news source. Portions of the programming on Key Radio are made possible through a generous donation from lakeexpo.com. Lakeexpo.com is a locally owned daily news website connecting residents, second homeowners, visitors, and the boating community to the Lake of the Ozarks. Lake Expo features real estate and boats for sale, upcoming events at the lake, and their exclusive boating club, X-Toe. Download the free Lake Expo app on the App Store and Google Play. LakeExpo.com, the lake's trusted news source. Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Tuesday. We've got some high school basketball on the way tonight. Camdenton and Osage go head-to-head at Osage. It's the Lakers and Indians, and you can see that game on Lake TV tonight. Camdenton off to a slow start to the season. Osage off to a pretty good start. Indians looking to avenge a loss to the Lakers last year. Also tonight, Eldon busy at home against Lebanon. And Versailles playing in the Stover Tournament this week. You can see Versailles coach Jason Oliver featured on this week's High School Basketball Coaches Show on Lake TV. Tuesday through Friday at 10 in the morning, 2 in the afternoon, and 6 at night. One last college football bowl game tonight. That's the Texas Bowl, LSU and K-State. Ought to be a good one. They kick that off at 8 o'clock tonight. Of course, we've still got the national championship game, too. That will be next Monday night. It'll be Alabama against Georgia. Georgia, the early favorite to win that one. I know... A lot of people would like to see Georgia knock off the Crimson Tide in that one. College hoops, MSU Bears are 10-5 and on this season. They will be at Bradley tomorrow night. Chiefs getting a little bit of rest before the final game of the regular season. They travel to play Denver this weekend. The Chiefs have wrapped up a playoff spot. They've won the division, but... They lost the number one seed in the AFC with that loss last week. In order to get it back, they'll have to beat Denver this week and have the Titans lose in Houston, and Houston is not very good this year. Packers with the best record in the NFL, 13-3. The Buccaneers and Rams, 12-4. The Chiefs right up there at 11-5. 
The Rams and Packers are the hottest teams in the NFL right now. Hey, you got to check out KB on TV. That's right. KB's show on Lake TV is What's Burning. You can see it at 7 in the morning, 5 in the afternoon, and 11 at night. You can watch Lake TV on Como Channel 90, free on Roku and Fire Stick, and streaming live 24-7 at MyLakeTV.com. I'm Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Tuesday. Key Radio is financially supported in part by generous giving from Firefly Valley Farms, coffee roasters and beverage solutions. Firefly Valley Farms believes coffee is a big deal. It's their passion. They owned a coffee shop for 11 years and have been roasting coffee since 2006. When you order coffee, they freshly roast it and ship it directly to your home or office and you enjoy. Nothing compares to coffee this fresh. Firefly Valley Farms also takes pride in supporting growers that utilize ethical and sustainable processing practices. In addition to coffee, they have a family-owned and operated fruit orchard nestled at the bottom of Hudson Hollow on the banks of the Little Niangua River in Roach, Missouri. Firefly Valley Farms protects our land, rivers, our bees, and our bodies by using only organic pest management. Learn more online at fireflyvalleyfarms.com. Be a part of the solution. Join the lake's only community radio station, 89.3, The Key. 8.36, we are back on with The Daily Show. We'll talk more with uh, Chris Franken here momentarily. He is officially announced as candidacy for Camden County Presiding Commissioner. Uh, also coming up next hour, we'll talk with Professor Jim Paisley. Of course, uh, Jim is the uh, man who heads up the podcast, The True History Professor. We're going to talk a little bit about Iran with... Uh, Jim, and uh, something that uh, they've recently done that has uh, garnered some attention from the rest of the world, and uh, kind of get our we'll get our history lesson for the uh, the day from the good professor. Right now we're at 29 degrees, on our way to a high of 50, and uh, we'll have a beautiful day before we uh, kind of start getting in the weeds yet again with some of the things that are coming our way. 50 the expected high today, 22 the overnight low, partly cloudy sky. 32 the high tomorrow, and then uh, Thursday looks like it's going to be kind of an interesting day. One of those days, if you don't have to go out, you're probably just better off hanging out at home. 18 the high, 10 above the low, and some morning snow showers. Could see some accumulation with this as well. The uh, meteorologists are sitting there with their crystal balls trying to dial this all in, obviously. 36 the high on Friday with a low of 24, and then for Saturday, 49 the high, a cloudy sky. Morning showers on Sunday and high of about 40. So uh, winter is here, folks. We're going to be riding that winter roller coaster throughout a uh, good portion of the month of January. However, next week looks like uh, it is going to behave. We'll uh, get to that maybe a little uh, later on down the road. A couple of other things to uh, keep in mind here. Current lake level at 658.5. River level at 551.89. We will... Uh, Continue our conversation. Now, I, I just want to remind folks, Bill, the bumper stickers are here, brother. Yeah, bumper stickers. You're obviously showing them on the air. Yes, everybody yes, can okay. see what they look All like. Right, yes. If you uh, would like a Key Radio uh, bumper sticker, we can set you up with one of those. Come by and see us when we're here for the Daily Show. Uh, if you are a business owner out there that would like to uh, have us put some Key Radio bumper stickers in your business... Let me know, let Bill know, let somebody know, and the word will get back to us, and we'll supply you with some of those bumper stickers. So Bill has uh, had those designed, and now they are available. 
So uh, you might check out our uh, most recent TV commercial, which is on um, uh, Lake TV. Uh-huh. And thanks to the folks over there, my producer, Megan Albers, who uh, put that all together for us. Uh, by the way, we're going to go feature uh, uh, Bill Mulder and myself. We're going to start doing kind of a history of the Lake of the Ozarks feature around the lake area. And uh, we'll have kind of an introduction to what we're going to do on the program on Thursday. New uh, program hits the airwaves every Thursday, 7 a.m., 5 p.m., 11 p.m., and we run it for a week. But uh, Bill and I are going to take some time to travel around uh, uh, the area and show off some of the things like uh, our, our first stop is uh, going to be the Old Lynn Creek Cemetery, which it's uh, it's where yeah, it all started, yeah, the I, Old Lynn Creek Cemetery. Yeah, I kind of am a little fascinated by old cemeteries. I uh, When I was a kid, I didn't understand it because when we were growing up, um, my grandma and my aunts, we would go... Uh, have a picnic at the cemetery, which I thought was a bizarre thing. <laughs> uh-huh, it is. <laughs> but, you know, you make fried chicken, potato salad, whatever. The family gathers at the cemetery. You go visit all of the various uh, family plots. Mm. Uh, maybe you do it, you know, in St. Louis we had a couple of different places where we would go. And I'm like, this is so weird. But now, I mean, it's it's really interesting to see, and especially around the lake area, some of these headstones, the dates on them. And to think about all the history that took place based on uh, this. Anyway, but uh, that's what we're working on. Let's get back to uh, talking with uh, with Chris Franken. Who to, uh, when you, again, I, it, it just, it puzzles me. It, it intrigues me to some degree that uh, you want to get back in here and do this job. And, and we talked a little bit about it before we went to the break at the bottom of the hour. Do you think anything that uh, you did might come back to haunt you, uh, the way you ran uh, things as presiding commissioner or, you know, just any particular incident, uh, anybody that you think is is maybe out there to do you in? Um, But I I guess it doesn't really make any difference who you are. If you come back around, you want to get involved in, you know, county government again, you're going to have your supporters. You're going to have your detractors. That's just how life works. Hey, Absolutely. If I, if I could interject, maybe yes, a, maybe the way as as a potential voter, what I'd like to know is is there anything? There must be things you learned from your first time around that uh, could help uh, a commissioner be less misunderstood. Because a lot of things seem to be misunderstandings and uh, people finding one issue that they take issue with. Is there something you'd do differently? Well, there are several things that I would do differently. Um, I think that I want to just stay, say firstly that a lot of what people get upset about sometimes is their lack of understanding of what the law is. And that sometimes I, people say, why did you do that that way? That was so stupid. <laughs> and I'd be like, because we had to, because the law said we had to do it that way. The law says you have to be stupid. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, it really does. I mean, you're right. Uh-huh. And, and, you and sound like a builder. <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of am. So, um, but you know, it's, uh, so in some instances, that's what it is. And sometimes you have time and the resources to, to educate people on, you know, what that is. Um, sometimes you don't, and sometimes you, you kind of hope they'll, they'll take your word that what you're telling them is true. You don't always have that opportunity to take physical evidence and say, here it is, and this is, what you, this is why. But, you know, one of the things that I did, I was super, super motivated when I first got in, and I knew, 
I had like this laundry list of things that I felt like had to be addressed yesterday. And so when I went in, I mean, I've got a little bit of a strong personality (laughs) and I went in pretty strong. And, um, even friends of mine would say, yeah, there for a first couple of months, it was a little bit like a bull in a China shop. Not that you weren't doing what needed to be done, but you, my way or the highway kind of, yeah, it was, I'm going to be honest, real honest with it. It was. And, um, because they, I had the statutes behind me. These were the laws. These were the ways that we were supposed to be doing it. And because of that, I had this mindset that we didn't have a choice. This was how it needed to be done. I still believe that today, that if the statute says that we have to do it that way, you do it that way. However, there are better ways of doing things. Um, I'll just bring up one that, um, that I know upset, upset some people that, that you know personally. Um, I had a group of people that came to me, and they wanted to do a special road district over in Camelot. Okay, so you want to probably talk about the one thing that inflamed certain influential people. I would say that this is probably probably the number one thing as mm-hmm. I look back. And so we had meetings. We had public meetings. We had public meetings at the, cam- at the, the uh, clubhouse over there at Camelot. We did everything the way the law said that it needed to be done. Now, which has to be understood is no matter how well you do something like that, anybody that's against it is against it. And they're always going to be against it. And they're not going to care if you did it right or you didn't do it right. And some of those people got really, really upset that that was even in play. Well, go drive the roads of Camelot and you'll understand why they need to do something. Now, all that being said, if I had that to do over again, the way I would have handled that is I would have said, if we're going to do this or we're going to look into doing this, I want you to bring me a petition that's signed by at least, pick a number, but something over 50%. The number in my head is somewhere between 60 and 67% of the residents that live in the proposed district that are in favor of discussing options on this and putting it on the ballot and then move forward from there. But the other thing is, is that my other opinion is after really looking at how uh, emotional people got, how upset some people got about it, is the subdivision can fix that. They have an association. They're already collecting a road fee. Obviously, it's not enough to do what they need to do to maintain what they have. But if their interest is truly there, that's where it needs to occur. That's where it needs to happen is at that subdivision level. And I would be willing to to say that I probably would not entertain the idea of another special road district in a tenure that I could potentially have mm-hmm. simply because I've done additional research on that and found um, there's a lot of counties that are around us that had multiple special road districts that ended up with financial issues 
and they were the only ones that had the jurisdiction to repair those roads and they had no funds to do it and nobody was taking the mantle for the board and it turned into this huge issue. And getting rid of them is not easy. Right. Well, I guess everybody kind of looks at the model that's already available here at the lake, and that's the Horseshoe Bend Special Road District. It's probably the best model in the state of Missouri. And those roads over there are pristine. They've got uh, sidewalks and bike paths and everything that everybody wants. You know, and we hear about that all over the place, but it can't be something that can be done everywhere you go. But if the residents are willing to put in the time and the effort, um, and you were able to get enough signatures on a petition, you said 60, 67 percent, somewhere in there, and they're willing to take on the responsibility, I think they also have to understand the consequences. You know, the, the, the things that, if things don't go right, as you mentioned, and, and you, you specifically said some financial issues, what are some of those financial issues? So they collect the money, then it doesn't go where it's supposed to go, it's administered wrong, uh, you know, is, is it uh, paying for someone to come in and, and, and actually... Uh, take care of the things that people want taken care of. What are some of the financial issues that that you're talking about? So it's all of those things. So let let's let's talk about the model that we have here at the lake, uh, in Horseshoe Bend. So um, I believe my time my time frame may be off on this, but I believe it's every ten years. Right. Their levy has to be reaffirmed. Okay. So that's the additional. So here's how the Horseshoe Bend Special Road District is funded. They're funded through gas tax that they get based on their miles of road. They're funded through the cart funds that they get their portion of those based on the miles of road that they have. Mm -hmm. They get the Camden County Road and Bridge levy, that percentage, okay, so it's, you know, 11 cents a hundred, I think is what it is. Um, they get that amount based on their assessed valuation. And then they have their additional Horseshoe Bend Special Road District tax, which is somewhere around 35 cents a hundred um, that they collect on their assessed evaluation. And so if a person wants to know, well, how much money does it take in order to do what Horseshoe Bend does? You just add those things up and you can figure out what they're getting and then divide that by the number of miles road and you get a pretty solid number there. And then you can make that decision from there if you want to try to duplicate what they've done over there. So let's just extrapolate that model to road district ABC that's somewhere out in rural Missouri mm -hmm. and their levy, which is over 50% roughly of actually it is over 50% of their income. And the voters say, nah, I'm not doing this no more. And they don't vote for it. I don't have to tell anybody what a 50% reduction in revenue does to an organization, regardless <laughs> yeah. of what it is. Right. So there's your financial problem. So when that financial problem creeps in, then the job becomes hard. You can't make people happy because you can't do what they expect you to do. That road district commissioner job for that special road district, that job doesn't pay anything. So after you get chewed on and, you know, person's rear end can only take so much chewing right. you know then you start getting directors that say yeah you know i want to fix this i care but i don't have the tools in the toolbox to do it there's no reason for me to be here anymore and so they start walking away from the job and what happens ultimately is there's nobody there to do the job anymore and 
there's the revenue stream is so low that there's not enough money to, to accomplish anything. So I guess with something like that, you really have to make sure you've got your ducks in a row before you even venture into it. You do. And, but at the end of the day, there's no guarantees because, like I said, I've, I personally haven't seen a road dist, special road district that didn't rely on a levy that the tax base supported to, uh, let's say, uh, gin up the coffers. Mm-hmm. And so if you ever lose that trust from them or they just decide that they don't want to continue to contribute to that levy and they, from a voting standpoint, don't support it so it goes away, um, there's no guarantee there. So, you know, it's one of those deals where you need to choose your commissioners right and make sure that they're doing what they're doing, which, again, you, I'm not even going to reiterate all the things you said they have on Horseshoe Bend, but you want to see what it needs to look like, just drive over there. Yeah. What's interesting about it, uh, too, I would imagine income level kind of plays a big part in this because what you have over in Horseshoe Bend in terms of homes, uh, the types of homes, the income levels of the people that live in those homes versus, you know, what you have in Camelot. And, and I don't know a whole lot about that, that area, but I would say if you're going to be paying for the things that you see, let's say, in a Horseshoe Bend special road district, you've got to have people with money. Well, not only that, but a, a big portion of that is that assessed valuation because right. that assessed valuation is what's going to generate your physical dollars based on the percentage or the, 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 the amount of money per hundred. However you want to look at it, you can extrapolate those numbers to any type of, of whether it's a percentage or 15 cents a hundred or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. You know, and so another example is, so one of the things I was working on when I was in there was when I got into the fight, we didn't have, we were behind on money. There was a lot of issues that had to be done financially to bring things in line, which we did. Yeah, I'm not going to say that I did it because you can't do it correctly by yourself. You've got to have at least one other commissioner working with you. Because if you don't, you don't have the vote, you can't get it done. Let me rephrase that. If you don't have another vote, you shouldn't get it done because you don't get to, you're not supposed to be pontificating that stuff, right. which I never did. Um, so, there was a lot of pe- there's pe- a lot of people with gravel roads like to see them hard surfaced. And so a lot of people don't know this, but the way that a huge majority of our, of our paved roads came to be paved were through a tool called an NID or a neighborhood improvement district. And it's not, it's akin in a way to how a special dist- road district operates, but it has a finite life. And so when I got in, those things were, yeah, three quarters of the way through if, 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 from my memory as of now all of those NIDs have now been sunsetted I don't think there's an active NID in Camden County currently um, but what happens is you do the, a very similar thing you create a district around that road and then the people vote on it and if they vote to do it then there's a tax an NID tax that goes under property tax and that levy is determined and they know what it's going to be when they vote. It's not like, okay, now you voted, now here's your levy. No, they know what their levy is before they vote. Then that goes on their tax for the duration of that NID. And when that NID sunsets, usually it's, it depends upon how you want to do the term. So it's one of those deals where you play, you, you identify the cost of the project. Then you get, you call the bonding company, you say, hey, what ballpark, what's my interest rate going to be? 
you figure out what that's going to be, extrapolate those payments out, and you you give those voters an, an option. Say, so, okay, we can do 15, 20, or 25 years, just like financing your house. And then you, of, of course, the, the levy's going to be lower for the longer term. And so um, that's how you, you figure that out. But here's the big work. The big work is what's the assessed valuation of that district? Mm-hmm. You can't just go on the GIS site and make a polygon and go, hey, what's the assessed valuation? It doesn't work like that. And when I was, I referenced work product before. When I was in, there was a lot of interest in doing, and at least looking into some of these. None of them ever went to the ballot because there wasn't enough assessed valuation. Getting back to your point with regard to why Horseshoe Bend Special Road District works, because they've got income that can support the payment plus the higher assessed valuation that couples with that. And so those are the two things. You don't have to have people a lot of money, but you got to have assessed valuation. You have to have a lot of people. It's no different than people who want to tax the rich. You know, yeah, it's not, we're not going to fix anything doing that because all of us grunts out here, we're the majority. Right. So um, I would sit down after the, the, you know, usually, you know, you get a group come in from the, from the neighborhood and you'd say, well, what do you think that, what road do you want to do? And so basically that district's pretty easy to draw because it's anybody that uses that road for their home or business and I would go through and actually figure up what the assessed valuation of that district would be and then create those options those different amortization options 15 20 25 year and I never did one that the number wasn't so ugly that there's nobody that would touch it with a 10-foot pole because the rule evaluation's not there a lot of that lands agriculturally assessed that's what the property tax valuation is and um, so I learned that. And so my idea from there was, well, maybe we can partner with groups and maybe we can start to identify funds where we can maybe go 50-50 if somebody's willing and prioritize the roads that we're going to try to hard surface based off of a partnership where they do an NID for 50% of it and the county provides the other 50% of the funds. Got a few minutes left before the top of the hour here. <clears throat> appreciate you reaching out to us uh, to come and be on the program today to kind of talk about your strategy, your plan. So things work out. You're elected uh, presiding commissioner. Um, got a couple other gentlemen that you'll be working with there. And uh, you've had the prior experience, so maybe you don't go in, you know, like a running back trying to uh, break the goal line. You know, you, you, you take more of a... Uh, uh, a, a more of a laid-back approach, but what's the strategy? I mean, what is what is the goal uh, if Chris Franken becomes presiding commissioner of Camden County? What is what? Uh, are you going to go back to the days of the road judge, where you take care of the roads and uh, try to keep an eye on on uh, the county itself, as far as any needs or wants of the of the citizens? Uh, obviously, again, you're probably going to get a lot of uh, blowback on how money is spent. That's always a big you talk about something in somebody's craw, nine times out of ten when an issue becomes an issue, it's because of how things are funded or how money is spent. Uh, but, but, but what's kind of the initial uh, thought process? Well, I always say that if it involves people and money, you're probably going to have a problem. <laughs> uh, it's just kind of the way that it goes. Right. Just, that's just that's the reality of it. But, um, you know, I, 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 I know both of the current uh, district commissioners and uh, – I've had conversation with them, uh, one way more than the other. And, uh, you know, my approach would be, uh, 
it, when, if I got elected and I got back in there, the first thing I they meeting number one, my, one of my agenda items would be priorities. That's what I'd probably say on the agenda. And I would want to sit down in open session where it needs to be done and say, guys, what are your priorities? And I'll tell them what my priorities are. Mm-hmm. And as I indicated before, now the budget thing, that's kind of a run and gun thing where you, you, you got all this frenzy in the fall when you're doing it. And then when it's done, it's done. It just gets administered by the auditor at that point for the most part. Yeah, you got a few budget amendments and little things, but that's all little nuts and bolts stuff that goes along just in the, in the day-to-day operations. Um, you know, I drove the roads a lot when I was presiding commissioner before. And, I mean, I remember, one of the things I remember, we had an entry issue down off of Ozark Isle Road where Wahama Estates comes in. And it was, it, every, time it, it, every time it rained, three raindrops, it seemed like that, that thing was washed out. And so, as a commission, we said, hey, we've we got to get, we, we're spending too much time, money, effort, resources there. We've got to get that thing fixed. And so they got out there, and they were having, they were having some, some difference of opinions, kind of wondering what the best way to do it was. So the district commissioner calls me up and says, hey, you got a minute? Can you come out here? I said, yeah. So we got out there, and so they threw a couple ideas out. And I said, okay, you know, so we shot a few grades, looked at what needed to be done, and we worked together to come up with a solution. It was a solution that wouldn't have happened had I not been there, had the first district commissioner not been there, and a greater operator at the time who really knew what he was doing. It didn't happen because of any one of us. It happened because all three of us sat down and talked about it mm-hmm. and analyzed what was going on there. You know, you don't, you don't have a presiding commissioner now that has the ability or the want to go out and do those types of things. And as I said before, the roads are a primary responsibility. Chris Franken, thank you for your time, sir. We appreciate it. And uh, we've got a long way to go before the election, so I'm sure there's plenty of time for you to come back in and uh, make some make some more remarks on uh, what you think is maybe the best direction to take Camden County. And uh, I, I, I guess, you know, a lot of this is going to be, at this point anyway, <clears throat> What the citizens <clears throat> have seen in the past, excuse me, versus where you are now, and uh, you know we'd like to get everybody in here, all the candidates, and have an opportunity to uh, allow them to address the issues. Uh, we have reached out to the presiding commissioner early on. Um, maybe uh, you know he's had a change of heart. Would like to come back in and sit down with us. Uh, of course, Ike Skelton that is running, Lydia Porter, who is also, and those are the four that I know of. That's I think that's. Those are the four that have announced. I've heard rumors of a fifth, but right. have no, no verification of that yet. Well, we want to get everybody in here for a sit-down, and we hope all of the folks listening uh, will uh, take the opportunity to spread the word that uh, you know we are community radio, we are local, and uh, we are very concerned about uh, making sure that all of the candidates have a voice as we get closer to the election, I believe, in November. Actually, Thank August. August, that's right. That's the uh, that's yeah. the primary. You got to remember that in this Camden is your County, radio station, Lake your Bios local Ar- officials are elected at the primary. That's right. That's right. August. So, again, still plenty of time to get that done. 
9.02 is our time. We'll uh, take the information break. Stacy Johnson with LakeExpo.com, your trusted news source. Chris Schneider with Lake TV and a check of sports. And our interview coming up with Professor Jim Paisley. We'll talk Iran on Key Radio. This is your radio station, Lake of the Ozarks, 89.3 KEYK, Osage Beach, Missouri, The Key. I'm Stacy Johnson, and this is your Lake Expo News Cut for Tuesday, January 4th. Take a deeper dive at lakeexpo.com. A 17-year-old boy was seriously injured Saturday in a crash on Route RA, and Deborah Kirk of Gravelois Mills was injured the same day in a crash on Highway 135 South. Both were transported by ambulance to Lake Regional Hospital. According to the crash report, neither was wearing a seatbelt. A judge has approved a change of venue for the trial of Tonkaway Khan Ponder, who has been charged with first-degree assault and armed criminal action for the biker club shooting on the Lake Ozark Strip. The trial was moved to St. Charles County, and Ponder also entered a plea of not guilty during the hearing. Big Thunder Marine, the largest marine dealership at Lake of the Ozarks, has acquired Ozark Yacht Club, a premier full-service marina on Lake of the Ozarks. The acquisition of Ozark Yacht Club joins Glencoe Marina and Lakeport Marina. Fred Ross, Big Thunder Marine owner, says they're excited to add such a beautiful property and looks forward to developing OYC into a premier destination for all their clients. For more stories like these, head to thelakeexpo.com, download our free app from the App Store and Google Play to get more Lake of the Ozarks news. Lakeexpo.com, the lake's trusted news source. Portions of the programming on Key Radio are made possible through a generous donation from LakeExpo.com. LakeExpo.com is a locally owned daily news website connecting residents, second homeowners, visitors, and the boating community to the Lake of the Ozarks. Lake Expo features real estate and boats for sale, upcoming events at the lake, and their exclusive boating club, X-Toe. Download the free Lake Expo app on the App Store and Google Play. LakeExpo.com, the lake's trusted news source. Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Tuesday. We've got some high school basketball on the way tonight. Camdenton and Osage go head-to-head at Osage. It's the Lakers and Indians, and you can see that game on Lake TV tonight. Camdenton off to a slow start to the season. Osage off to a pretty good start. Indians looking to avenge a loss to the Lakers last year. Also tonight, Eldon busy at home against Lebanon. And Versailles playing in the Stover Tournament this week. You can see Versailles coach Jason Oliver featured on this week's High School Basketball Coaches Show on Lake TV. Tuesday through Friday at 10 in the morning, 2 in the afternoon, and 6 at night. One last college football bowl game tonight. That's the Texas Bowl, LSU and K-State. Ought to be a good one. They kick that off at 8 o'clock tonight. Of course, we've still got the national championship game, too. That will be next Monday night. It'll be Alabama against Georgia. Georgia, the early favorite to win that one. I know... A lot of people would like to see Georgia knock off the Crimson Tide in that one. College hoops, MSU Bears are 
10 and 5 on this season. They will be at Bradley tomorrow night. Chiefs getting a little bit of rest before the final game of the regular season. They travel to play Denver this weekend. The Chiefs have wrapped up a playoff spot. They've won the division, but they lost the number one seed in the AFC with that loss last week. In order to get it back, they'll have to beat Denver this week and have the Titans lose in Houston, and Houston is not very good this year. Packers with the best record in the NFL, 13-3. and The Buccaneers and Rams, 12-4. and The Chiefs right up there at 11-5. and the Rams and Packers are the hottest teams in the NFL right now. Hey, you got to check out KB on TV. That's right. KB's show on Lake TV is What's Burning. You can see it at 7 in the morning, 5 in the afternoon, and 11 at night. You can watch Lake TV on Como Channel 90, free on Roku and Fire Stick, and streaming live 24-7 at MyLakeTV.com. I'm Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Tuesday. The Serving Table provides free meals at Key Gathering Place, Wednesdays 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. and Thursdays 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. It's the continuing mission of Jacob and Carly Lamb to serve people in need. But this is not just about free food. Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Spiritual food is as great a need as the meals Jacob prepares, and we need volunteers to join in so the Serving Table can open every day. Learn more at KeyGatheringPlace.com or search Facebook for the serving table. If you'd like to become a content provider, simply contact the Lakes Community Radio Station at 89.3, The Key. It is 9.09. Thank you so much for joining us here on this uh, Tuesday edition of The Daily Show on the fourth day of January 2022. Good to have you with us. And as I said earlier, 0 for 4 on uh, writing anything uh, 2021. I have not... uh, written anything on checks, I haven't written anything down on pieces of paper, any records, anything like that. I And I consider that to be a huge achievement because my uh, short-term memory is just, forget it. Forget it. <laughs> 29 degrees on our way to a high today of around 50. We will have some sunshine and a few clouds, but we won't have any, uh, any serious weather issues today other than it's going to be a little chilly, but it is January, so that makes sense. We're going to drop down to uh, 22 for the overnight low. Coming back tomorrow 
with a high of 32, a low of 12, and some clouds. Uh, still looking for the possibility of some morning snow showers. Um, about a 50-50 shot at this point. They're saying we, if we do get some snow, there might be some accumulation, so keep that in mind. 18 the high on Thursday, a low of 10 above. 34 the high on Friday with a partly cloudy sky. 50 the expected high now on Saturday, and 39 the expected high on Sunday. We could see some rain on uh, Sunday morning, but as we get into the new week, things uh, uh, anywhere from mid to upper 40s uh, to low 50s, uh, some, I guess 37 is what they're calling for on Monday of next week, but we're not there yet, folks, and of course this is Missouri, so we know that that weather can change uh, in the blink of an eye because, of course, uh, over the weekend, <clears throat> all hell was supposed to break loose. We were supposed to have all this uh, weather, and so, you know, we were talking about it. It's because, I guess, you know, the weathermen are bored at this point. They're just <laughs> bored. They don't have much of anything to talk about, so anything to drum up some business, you know, anything that they can do. 9.12 is our time. Take a quick look at uh, the current lake level and uh, Kind of, got to figure out a way to get that surface water temperature. But anyway, 658.5 the current lake level, 551.83 the current uh, river level. And all the way from, uh, we were talking about the Horseshoe Bend Special Road District. That's where he lives out there on Horseshoe Bend, our good friend, Professor Jim Paisley. And uh, you know him for his program, The True History Professor. He joins us in studio this morning. We're going to talk a little bit about what is up with Iran. Good morning, sir. Good morning. I'm glad to be here. Glad to have you here, and uh, hope you had a good start to your new year. You look, uh, you know, you look good. You healthy? I'm hanging in there. Yeah, you your... know, I had, uh, you know, been dealing with the sinus stuff like everybody else. Uh, the house is so dry, you know, it's just unbelievable, you, you know. And you know. so we've been running the. Uh, running the humidifiers trying to get you know a little bit of humidity back in the house a little bit of moisture is yeah, always kind of nice bet, yes but uh yeah by the way the water temperature is 45 this morning is it yes surface water temp at 45 degrees yes at the one mile mark at the yep. one mile mark yeah. that's where you are <laughs> yeah i'm I'm checking it all the time because i need to be, get the bubbler hooked up yeah. yeah yeah that's coming yeah that and the uh, the lowering of the lake, which does being at the one, does that really affect you a whole lot? Oh yeah, does it? Oh yeah, and right now the water's still all the way up, right at looks like right at six fifty nine, six sixty. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, usually you know we try and uh, during that drawdown, it's a great opportunity to work on your seawall and everything else, and that hadn't happened yet. Yeah, well they'll start rolling it back here soon. You bet. The Iranians, they yes. uh, were in the news last week, sending three research devices into space. And you always kind of, why is that? You always have to kind of wonder right. uh, what kind of research devices are they sending into space? You know, on the outside, it looks all uh, nice and pretty. And then once it gets up into space, <laughs> all the all the prettiness falls off. And, you know, we're look, looking at nukes or something in the air. Right, right. So uh, uh, we're going to take a little time to uh, examine what's going on and then uh, kind of get into a discussion about it here. You bet. As yeah. always, we get a great history lesson from uh, Professor Jim Paisley, and then some time to uh, kind of kick around what's going on. You bet. You bet. Well, let's start out by talking about the fact that they are shooting this stuff up into space, you know, and I think it's fascinating. Every now and again you'll hear about the International Space Station having to make adjustments because something's flying at them. You know, there's so much junk flying around up there, and you you got to understand when you shoot it up there, it's going to stay there for a while, and 
you know, you wonder what it is they are shooting up. And I'm sure the rest of the world wonders what it is we're sending up. You know, I, there's a lot of times we send shuttles up there and they said, well, it's a, a government mission. You know, well, what did we what did we put up there? Yeah. You know, yeah. so anyhow, our biggest concern now, of course, is Iran and Iran, you know, with their nuclear program for them to start toying with the idea of throwing things out into space is a, a huge threat. And uh, according to them, and this is their their defense ministry, basically said that they had fired a rocket last week and it had uh, three different, uh, I guess, devices on board that they launched. Now, they claim that this is a preliminary shot in setting up something bigger later on. Now, you know, I don't, you know, I'm no rocket scientist, but, you know, <laughs> evidently, you know, there, there's got to be some things that, that have to, preliminary things that have to go into into orbit in order to, you know, for things like uh, logistics of where to set things and how to trigger things and, you know, monitoring, monitoring different things. So, you know, this was their first shot, if you will. Now, believe it or not, Iran has one of the biggest missile programs in the Middle East, Um and basically, they've had some run into some snags in the past here, but now all of a sudden it seems like they've cleared some of those hurdles. And, you know, that's the thing. We have a tendency sometimes to think of these Middle Eastern countries as being, you know, third world riding around. You know, you see the jokes of a, a missile attached to a camel and so on and so forth. you got to understand most of these guys are, you know, are trained, you know, and educated here in America, a lot of them. And so they're, they're sharp. They know what they're doing here. Now, Washington has said it's concerned by Iran's development of this launch. Now, it raised concerns in Washington about whether the technology used in these satellites could advance their ballistic mis- Iran's ballistic missile development. And, you know, like I say, we've already got the U.N. Security Council is worried about uh, Iran building nukes. Now, the defense ministry for Iran, a guy by the name of Ahmad Hosseini, said that the Phoenix satellite carrier rocket had launched the three research devices at an altitude of 290 miles and a speed of 4.5 miles per second. So, and I thought that was interesting. It's a Phoenix rocket. And the last time I checked, wasn't that one of ours, you know? (laughs) So, yeah, I'm not sure how that worked. Now, basically, uh, Iran said this is a preliminary launch, and they said, God willing, we'll have an operational launch soon. Now, he said God willing. God willing. Yeah, <laughs> their God. Yeah, which is a whole other deal in itself. Now, they said that there are subsystems of satellites that were tested in vacuum conditions here on Earth. So they're, they're stepping up their game here. And what we saw is when they did this, it put everybody on notice. And I know the United States is very concerned, but you've got to understand, uh, the Middle East is a powder keg. It has been all along. We know that. And this is not helping matters at all. And Saudi Arabia, who is the arch enemy of Iran, they came out. They were in really concerned about this whole issue here. Now, this is something to think about again. And you know, I'm going to give you a little history so that we can, you know, reset if we will as we're, as we're talking about these things. Understand again, Iran is a Shia Muslim, Shiite. Okay, and they believe that the leader of their faith must be a direct descendant of Muhammad. Saudi Arabia, on the other hand, is Sunni Muslim. So there's two different sects of the Muslims, Shia and Sunni. Shia says the leader has to come directly from Muhammad. The Sunni say, no, that's not the case, okay? That it can be, it doesn't have to be a relative of Muhammad. 
So firing this rocket into space has definitely got the attention of the Saudis, who are of the Sunni faith. They're saying, uh, you know, we already have issues with you for on religious purposes, and now we're finding ourselves, in, you know, backed into a corner here and dealing with this whole thing with you having nuclear weapons. Now, <clears throat> let's go into that just a little bit more before we get into the whole thing about the, about the rockets. Like I say, the two primary branches of Islam are Sunni and Shia, and they split from each other over a religious-political leadership dispute about the rightful successor to head up the Muslim faith. In other words, the successor to Muhammad. Okay. Now, as I said, the Shia believe Muhammad's cousin and son-in-law, Ali, okay, that's where you get Ali with Muhammad and Ali, they said that his cousin was the only divinely ordained imam or religious leader, while the Sunnis say that the first three caliphs after Muhammad were also legitimate leaders, okay? So in modern Islam, what we have is we've got this huge split, all right? Now, <clears throat> Sunni Islam accounts for 75% of the world's Muslim population. If you took a map of the Middle East and colored them in, and let's say we'll, we'll color all of the, uh, the Sunnis as red and all of the uh, uh, Shia as blue, you'll see that the whole Middle East, for the most part, is Sunni. It's Iran is the one that sticks out that's the Shia, the ones that are the strict Orthodox, okay? Now, what we see happen is because 75% of the Middle East is Sunni and Shia is only about 10%, we see this huge divide, if you will, between these groups. So this is a religious war along with uh, a fight for territory. Now, since, since I'm, I'm lucky enough to have Bill here this morning, <laughs> you know, he's our, our resident theologian. I, you know, I want to I bring up something here that, that I've wanted to talk about in the past. It, there's a huge split in the church, okay, the, the, the faith, if you will, between the Shiite and the Sunni. Now, this isn't unusual for religions. And in the area of Christianity, we had basically the same sort of split in that we had the Eastern Orthodox Christian Church and we had the Roman Catholic Church. And they had a huge huge issue uh this happened all the way back in uh, 1054 i believe it was um you had the church the the christian church in constantinople modern day istanbul where the church there was led by a patriarch and you had the roman catholic church in in italy run by a pope now the pope and the patriarch were arguing with one another over the same sort of thing you know who who should be in charge? What is the true following of the faith? So on and forth, so forth. Things like they argued over the Trinity and so on and so forth. And it came down to an argument that basically split that church uh, between Eastern Orthodox and Catholic that still sits there today, um, which I find fascinating. Uh, it got to the point where the patriarch excommunicated the pope, and the pope said, oh, yeah, watch this. And he excommunicated the, the patriarch. I'll show you. Yes, exactly. Um, so, you know, I think that's kind of interesting. Bill, your thoughts on that? Not a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it, I, I never really looked at it that way, but it is kind of similar in the sense that it's a, uh, it's a dispute over the succession. Mm -hmm. And Christianity has largely, I guess, resolved it because the Western branch of Christianity became the far dominant part. Mm -hmm. But I guess that's a little bit like the Sunnis became the far 
dominant part of Islam. Mm-hmm. The big difference I see is that the two faiths, the two Christian faiths, have reached across the aisle and they attend each other's meetings and everything and try and try have tried to settle their differences. Well, and and that's because Christianity has never been really a political movement like Islam is. Exactly, Islam is very much a a political concept as far and. Uh, it's a it's the merger of both religion and politics, whereas Christianity always considered itself an outlier, an outsider of politics. Excellent. So we have in Christianity we have mostly a, a slight theological difference, right? But it's a very slight one. Yes. And we uh, look at Eastern Orthodox and we say, well, they're they're really quite admirable. Yes. We yes. don't have any dispute with them really. Right. Right. But I, you know, it, isn't it fascinating that, you know. <laughs> What you had had Jesus himself said, we're all people of the book, and Muhammad said the same thing, yet here we are today with how many religions? You know, isn't it fascinating how you can start with one concept and everybody said, well, you're not doing it right. That's how it works with everything. <clears throat> I mean, if you seriously look at the Tea Party, for example, there's a good group to look at. Right. There was the grassroots campaign that started off with all these people who thought they believed in the same basic ideology. Mm-hmm. Then as it continued to move forward, <clears throat> then one group felt strongly about something, another group felt strongly, and, and so that it just broke off and branched off, and there you go. Yeah, and, and you know, really, it's a great point, KB, even when you look at it from the terms of, of politics, but part, that was political, political parties, right, right. you know, and left and right. It, you know, you sit there and think, we all started out with the same idea here. You know, we all have the same constitution, but boy, look at us now. And a and, uh, good case in point, was when the Tea Party movement started here in the Lake area. Mm-hmm. Again, you had a core group of people, mm-hmm. and then you had different ideologies. So one group went their way, and one group went the other way. There you go. Yeah, so, it's yeah. it's yeah. actually the subject of my next podcast. Is oh, is this perfect. whole concept of um, humans aren't very good at abstract thought? No. Uh, abstraction just leads into uh, everybody having fragmented opinions. Exactly. And we have to get back to uh, something much more basic, what we observe. Well, I'm definitely going to be listening to that <laughs> podcast. Yeah, maybe you can enlighten me. That's going to be uh, a tough thing to achieve. Yes, it is. I'm glad he's tackling it, not me. Yeah. So back to our story here. So we've got this huge fundamental difference between Iran and, and all of its surrounding neighbors. Okay, it's, it's a religious issue. But, like I say, they're to the point of picking up missiles and firing them at one another. Now, Saudi Arabia, needless to say, which is Sunni Muslim, they already hated Iran, and they're watching what's happening here. And the Saudi king, King Salman, said on Wednesday that Saudi Arabia was concerned about Iran's lack of cooperation with the international community on this whole ballistic missile thing. And he said in an address to the Kingdom's Advisory uh, Council that he hoped Iran would change its negative behavior in the region. And he, I'll quote him as, as having said, We follow with concern the Iranian government's policy, which is destabilizing regional security and stability, including building and backing sectarian armed militias and propagating its military power in other countries. Oh, well, now he's brought something else into it. Basically, what we see here is that Saudi Arabia is a major Western ally in the Gulf, and they've been locked in a bitter bitter rivalry with Iran across the Middle East, where both sides have crossed paths in places like Yemen and in Syria and in Lebanon. 
everywhere you see these things, these proxy wars that we've talked about in the past, you can you can dig deep enough, you'll find Saudi Arabia on one side and Iran on the other. And this whole missile launch thing has, has perked everybody up again. Now, I don't want to take into your time. No, go right ahead. Well, it, it strikes me uh, on the surface of it, it sounds like the Sunnis would be the more political branch of Islam and the Iranians would be the more spiritual. Yes. The the ultra-conservative. Absolutely. And the, the ones who are political, they're looking for ways to fit into the world community. The ones who are fundamentalists are looking for ways to be separate from the world community. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You're dead on. And, and you know, isn't that, isn't that fascinating? Uh, I think, boy, that opens up a whole other area when you start to look at, you know, look at the... the progress in a, a Sunni dominated country versus a Shia dominated country. But, but then strangely enough it's the Iranians, the Shias who are putting things into space. Exactly, exactly. Of course we don't know what the Saudis have in space either, but yeah. you know, here again, you know, I think it's interesting in that you hit the nail on the head when you see what like look at the look at the vacuum created in Afghanistan. The people went from being very progressive uh, with education, so on and so forth, and, and infrastructure, to now they're going back, in essence, into the dark ages. Um, and, you know, it, it, it is, it's, it, it's a, opens up a whole other area when you start to look at it. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure the, the, the Shiites are sitting there saying, your way is wrong. You're, you're going down the path of capitalism and progressivism, yeah. so on and so forth. There's kind of a corollary with the West, because yes. you have the Europeans who are more like the, let's just fit in with the world community, and we have America, which is kind of the fundamentalist part of the West. Yes, exactly, yeah. exactly, dead on, dead on. So here again, I, I think the Saudis are saying this is, you know, this is not going to fly, literally, okay, no pun intended. <laughs> now, <laughs> Iran, like I say, is, is a threat not only to Saudi Arabia, but let's throw another party in here, and that's Israel. Now, Israel, of all things, when I started doing the research uh, on this, I found out that Israel itself has cut a deal with the U.S. where they are in the process of purchasing a dozen heavy transport helicopters and two additional refueling, plane, refueling planes from the United States. It's a weapons deal worth about $3 billion. So Israel is sitting there saying, we, we've got a problem here. And we're going to need to gear up because Iran is not listening to anybody. And so now you have the Saudis are mad about all of this. They're rattling sabers. And now Israel is taking it a step further and saying, we're going to start building up our military. Um, so you can see the powder keg is, is, is sitting right there and things are not getting any better. And Iran is not doing anything to help matters. Now, I thought it was interesting in that. Israel, when asked about purchasing all this stuff, they said that the purchase of these platforms is part of a wider effort which is being led by the defense ministry over the past year and a half to strengthen our capabilities and force buildup of the Israeli defense force against current and future threats, mostly those posed by the third ring. And I thought, what in the world is the third ring? Well, the defense ministry was nice enough to share that with me. Uh, in, in Israeli military language, the first ring refers to threats directly on the country's borders. The second ring refers to slightly far-flung enemies, like those in Iraq or Yemen. And the third ring refers to those yet further away, Iran. Okay, So basically, they've set up their military 
for local defense, border defense, and then long-term defense or long-range defense. So you can see that, you know, they're not sitting idly by watching all this take place. And it's, it's it, like, again, like I said, you know, now there's two major players. Well, that leaves the third one, us, the United States. Now, the Biden administration is sitting there saying, we admit that a, a nuclear deal with Iran may not happen. And, of course, you know, we've threatened sanctions and so on and so forth. But, of course, their big thing is is that they want to place all the blame on Donald Trump, whose withdrawal from the original nuclear deal was, you know, supposedly triggered all of this. But the truth of the matter is that all the things that Iran has been doing, they've been doing since Biden got in there. You know, so you can you can blame Trump all you want. He's not there. Biden's the president now. Now, what's driving Tehran forward is not Trump's Trump's withdrawal from the deal as much as it is, is that Iran, like China and Russia, is doing what it can get away with. They're sitting there watching us. Exactly what the the folks are hoping for. We're going to jump in real quick, come back and talk some more with Professor Jim Paisley. We have got our information break. Stacey Johnson with Lake Expo, your trusted news source. Chris Schneider with the Check of Sports from Lake TV and more of this uh, very interesting conversation we're having on Iran and how they affect the rest of the world with darn near everything they do, right here on Key Radio. I'm Stacy Johnson, and this is your Lake Expo News Cut for Tuesday, January 4th. Take a deeper dive at lakeexpo.com. A 17-year-old boy was seriously injured Saturday in a crash on Route RA, and Deborah Kirk of Gravois Mills was injured the same day in a crash on Highway 135 South. Both were transported by ambulance to Lake Regional Hospital. According to the crash report, neither was wearing a seatbelt. A judge has approved a change of venue for the trial of Tonkaway Khan Ponder, who has been charged with first-degree assault and armed criminal action for the biker club shooting on the Lake Ozark Strip. The trial was moved to St. Charles County, and Ponder also entered a plea of not guilty during the hearing. Big Thunder Marine, the largest marine dealership at Lake of the Ozarks, has acquired Ozark Yacht Club, a premier full-service marina on Lake of the Ozarks. The acquisition of Ozark Yacht Club joins Glencoe Marina and Lakeport Marina. Fred Ross, Big Thunder Marine owner, says they're excited to add such a beautiful property and looks forward to developing OYC into a premier destination for all their clients. For more stories like these, head to thelakeexpo.com, download our free app from the App Store and Google Play to get more Lake of the Ozarks news. Lakeexpo.com, the lake's trusted news source. Portions of the programming on Key Radio are made possible through a generous donation from LakeExpo.com. LakeExpo.com is a locally owned daily news website connecting residents, second homeowners, visitors, and the boating community to the Lake of the Ozarks. Lake Expo features real estate and boats for sale, upcoming events at the lake, and their exclusive boating club, X-Tow. Download the free Lake Expo app on the App Store and Google Play. LakeExpo.com, the lake's trusted news source. I'm 
Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Tuesday. We've got some high school basketball on the way tonight. Camdenton and Osage go head-to-head at Osage. It's the Lakers and Indians, and you can see that game on Lake TV tonight. Camdenton off to a slow start to the season. Osage off to a pretty good start. Indians looking to avenge a loss to the Lakers last year. Also tonight, Eldon busy at home against Lebanon and Versailles playing in the Stover tournament this week. You can see Versailles coach Jason Oliver featured on this week's high school basketball coaches show on Lake TV Tuesday through Friday at 10 in the morning, two in the afternoon and six at night. One last college football bowl game tonight. That's the Texas Bowl, LSU and K-State. Ought to be a good one. They kick that off at 8 o'clock tonight. Of course, we've still got the national championship game, too. That will be next Monday night. It'll be Alabama against Georgia. Georgia, the early favorite to win that one. I know... A lot of people would like to see Georgia knock off the Crimson Tide in that one. College hoops, MSU Bears are 10-5 and five on this season. They will be at Bradley tomorrow night. Chiefs getting a little bit of rest before the final game of the regular season. They travel to play Denver this weekend. The Chiefs have wrapped up a playoff spot. They've won the division, but... They lost the number one seed in the AFC with that loss last week. In order to get it back, they'll have to beat Denver this week and have the Titans lose in Houston, and Houston is not very good this year. Packers with the best record in the NFL, 13-3. and The Buccaneers and Rams, 12-4. and The Chiefs right up there at 11-5. and the Rams and Packers are the hottest teams in the NFL right now. Hey, you got to check out KB on TV. That's right. KB's show on Lake TV is What's Burning. You can see it at 7 in the morning, 5 in the afternoon, and 11 at night. You can watch Lake TV on Como Channel 90, free on Roku and Fire Stick, and streaming live 24-7 at MyLakeTV.com. I'm Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Tuesday. Key Radio is financially supported in part by generous giving from Firefly Valley Farms, coffee roasters, and beverage solutions. Firefly Valley Farms believes coffee is a big deal. It's their passion. They owned a coffee shop for 11 years and have been roasting coffee since 2006. When you order coffee, they freshly roast it and ship it directly to your home or office and you enjoy. Nothing compares to coffee this fresh. Firefly Valley Farms also takes pride in supporting growers that utilize ethical and sustainable processing practices. In addition to coffee, they have a family-owned and operated fruit orchard nestled at the bottom of Hudson Hollow on the banks of the Little Niangua River in Roach, Missouri. Firefly Valley Farms protects our land, rivers, our bees, and our bodies by using only organic pest management. Learn more online at fireflyvalleyfarms.com. Be a part of the solution. Join the lake's only community radio station, 89.3, The Key. Nine thirty-eight. welcome back to The Daily Show here on Key Radio. Having fun with our uh, true history professor, Jim Paisley. And uh, we were actually sitting here talking about some of the other programs that Jim will be working on. 
So I would uh, highly encourage you to uh, join him for his uh, programs on Key Radio. We've got him. Uh, I had the darn schedule out there. Here it is right here. Uh, True History Professor on uh, Mondays at uh, 2, 2 p.m., 10 p.m., 6 a.m. And I believe he's again in here on Wednesdays. And yes, he is, 5 a.m., 1 p.m., and 9 p.m. Uh, do we run him on the weekend? We sure do on Saturdays as well at uh, 6 a.m., 2 p.m., and uh, 10 p.m. 34 degrees is where we are on our way to a high of 50. We're going to do away with everything else and just get right back into it. This is so fascinating. I love I feel like I'm a little kid, you know, when you say, tell me a story, Daddy. <laughs> All right. Well, let's continue our story, shall we? Now, I think it's interesting. The U.S. State Department, they're watching all of this. And they said, uh, you know, bottom line is that they made, made a comment while the Israeli defense minister was visiting Washington. They said, well, maybe what we ought to do is, is have joint military exercises to prepare for potential strikes on Iran's nuclear facilities. Well, that's going to help, right? You know, Iran's sitting there saying, bring it. Let's, let's watch this happen, okay? Now, <clears throat> earlier this, this month, an unnamed senior U.S. official also warned that in the first quarter of 2022, first quarter of 2022, folks, not Trump's administration, Tehran could configure things and rapidly get one bomb's worth of highly enriched uranium. In other words, Iran has taken advantage of negotiations, you know, back and forth on their nuclear uh, deal. And the whole time, they're still building stuff. I mean, they're not stopping. They're, you know, they're, they're, all that we've done is sped, sped things up, if anything. Now, earlier this month, in an interview with U.S. Secretary uh, of State Anthony Blinken, he said the path for diplomacy seems to be failing. Uh-oh. Okay, so if the path for diplomacy is failing, what's, what's your next step? All right? Now, again, he blamed Trump. He said this, Trump's decision to pull out of the original agreement was a disastrous mistake. I find that hard to believe. I, I can't believe that Trump pulling out uh, sped up anything with Iran. Iran was going to continue to build this nuclear device regardless. Okay. Now, the problem with that argument, again, like I say, is Tehran's most, uh, you know, most of the advances they've made have occurred while Biden has been in office. Okay. Now, <clears throat> basically... Biden has refused to impose any consequences on the clerical regime for provoking this whole thing. And there's five key instances I found, all right? First, Iran began producing uranium metal, a crucial element in nuclear weapons, in February. February, folks, this year. Second, Tehran has obstructed the International Atomic Energy Agency's investigation into Iran's undeclared nuclear activities at several of their nuclear sites. Third, Iran reduced its cooperation with this, this overseeing agency at declared nuclear sites as of February. They're saying, no, you can't even come in and look at the information or the, the machines and the, the data collecting that you've set, put in place. Fourth, Tehran has had increased production of advanced set, centrifuge parts since August but hasn't allowed the agency to inventory or verify the location of the equipment in August, folks, of this year. And finally, the Biden administration has allowed each one of the times that the International Atomic Energy meeting, uh, meetings to take place, each time Biden has done nothing to censor the resolution of Iran. He's not even come out and said, hey, these guys are doing this stuff. They need to stop it. 
They just, you know, we attend the meetings and kind of nod our heads and off we go. So bottom line of this, to all this, is if Tehran is amassing all this knowledge about the development of nuclear weapons uh, and nobody's doing anything, they're going to continue to move forward. So if Biden hopes to stop it, he's going to have to recognize that his decisions as president right now, not the decisions of Trump in the prior administration, are the problem. We've got to do something, and we've got to do it right now. You guys' thoughts? Um, I think it's stop. <coughs> we have to move beyond Trump. Uh, My gosh, you can't sit here and constantly point the finger back at this guy because these people are serious about developing nuclear weapons, and when they do, they're going to use them. That's the thing. They aren't going to just amass nuclear weapons, <coughs> and when we have a an opportunity like oh, I don't know, the Third World War to roll around, then, then we'll use them. They're going to build them, and they're going to use them almost immediately. And here's the other problem that I see, <laughs> is if these nuclear weapons ever fall into the wrong hands. Mm-hmm. And, and, well. and, and then you have the whole situation that, uh, that's going on there. So I, I think it's more than the United States that needs to step up, the paper tiger yet we, that we've yet become again under this administration. But the rest of the world needs to realize and understand when these things start going off, that's it. Well, I think the other thing to point out is that the uh, left, the political left, and that's the Democrats in America and most of Europe, mm-hmm. Are, uh, have an uneasy truce with the fundamentalist Islam. Uh, they see Iran as a disruptor, just as they are disruptors. Mm-hmm. They see them both. They see them as allies in wanting to have a a world government, mm-hmm. and they're willing to um, encourage Iran for the time being. At some point, if they are successful, they'll have to fight it out amongst themselves. With what? But, but <laughs> nuclear weapons, thank you. Well, yes, <laughs> but, 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 but that's, that's the, um, the aspiration of the left is world domination. They, they can't compete with capitalism. They have to remove capitalism. Well, and, and don't you think they've also got this, this mantra of if you don't fire, you don't draw a fire? And I, that, I'm, I'm seeing that more and more. We're, uh, we're of the opinion right now, well, we, you know, let's not, let's not provoke you know, the Russian bear or, or China yeah. or, or, you know, any, you know, even ISIS now. I mean, it, it, to me, uh, it's one thing to turn around and, and carry the big stick, but if you're not willing to use it. Yeah, I agree with that, but it's deeper than appeasement. It's not like World War II. Mm-hmm. They don't see Iran as a problem. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, and, and it's interesting you bring that up because uh, I was just thinking uh, you had Neville Chamberlain in, in England uh, as Hitler was expanding, and Chamberlain, you know, went and sat down and 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 talked with with Hitler, and Hitler saying, "There's nothing to worry about. It's okay. I'm I'm just trying to rejoin the German-speaking peoples and everything." And yeah. and I, you know, they came. He came back, flew back into England, and said, "You know, everybody cheered. Peace in our time. This guy kept us from getting involved in a war, and look what happened. And wouldn't it have been interesting then, when that war broke out, if if." Uh, Churchill and and all of his followers had turned around and said, "Well, you know, uh, uh, the whole reason we're in this war is because of Chamberlain." Mm-hmm. No, uh, Hitler was going to do what he was going to do anyhow. Yeah, and I think the other interesting thing people don't realize is that uh, Germany and Iran were allies. Yes, yes, you know, and boy, is another great point in that the strange bedfellows that you have right now. Um, Iran is is definitely uh, tied at the hip with, with China and with Venezuela, 
their influence is more than just in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, this is this is more than just dealing with some radical Islam bunch like ISIS out in the middle of the desert somewhere. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the fact of the matter is, is while we all stand on the sidelines and determine what's what and who's who, the Iranians are going to continue to do whatever the heck they want, and that's develop nuclear weapons. <clears throat> and that's the thing that I think should be the <clears throat> concern first and foremost. Uh, you know, where are they getting their technology? Are they getting it from the Chinese? Are they getting it from the Russians? Are they getting it from both? Who's helping them fund it? But well, we helped them fund it uh, quite a bit there when we were taking yeah. pallets money over and dropping it off. And then, you know... <sighs> it's our rocket put the satellite up. Well, yeah, it's, and look it's how our technology. You look how many of those students uh, or those people that are in charge over there in their program were educated here in the West. Yes, they were. That's that's a big problem in itself. You know, um, even today we have a huge number of uh, Chinese students, uh-huh. uh, Russian uh, students, and the current dis- the current administration doesn't want to turn off that flow. Right. We want to educate the world. Right. You know, the, the intent originally, uh, I think, was you know, to, to share the wealth, if you will, and, and let them go back and make their countries better. But instead, and, you know, especially with the, in, in the areas of medicine, et cetera, uh, even that hasn't worked very well because, you know, look at our, our medical community right now and how many of them are, are foreign. They came here and were educated, and they said, well, now you can go back to your country, and they're realizing, wait a minute, I can make half a million dollars a year. Yeah. As, as a doctor here, yeah. I can go back there and be paid with a fish head. You know, so <laughs> that could be a problem. <laughs> oh, I don't know. A fish head could be a pretty good thing once in a while. Well, it depends on where you're at. Exactly. What you can buy with it. Yeah, that's right. Hey, what can I get for five fish heads? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. A goat's head and uh, and, and two pigtails. <laughs> um, right. I, I think, though, quite frankly, when we look at this, uh, there is uh, there's an obvious threat here. Mm-hmm. And so we're, we're, we're all kind of, again, we're sitting idly by watching the Iranians shoot things into space, wondering what it is they're for. And uh, I would be willing to bet, as you mentioned earlier, you know, rather than trying to hit something 40 miles away, we'd, we can guarantee now that we can do that. So let's, you know, let, let's expand upon that. Let's go right. 4,000 miles away. Let's go and do whatever is necessary. And, and I hate to say this, folks, but, you know, while we're sitting around trying to, you know, Give, give each other an attaboy or shaking our finger at somebody. The Iranians, as, as you talked about in in uh, in the conversation this morning, are, are building centrifuges and doing other things, uh, developing the uh, uranium metal necessary to uh, uh, to put all these bombs. I mean, it, it's right there out in front of us, folks. They're yeah. they're building the, the 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 things necessary in order to make nuclear weapons. Right. And I don't think well. Obviously, nuclear weapons in the hands of the wrong people, but who's to say that nuclear weapons are essentially in the hands of the right people? I mean, yeah. right. Well, it's, you know, one of the reasons Trump was so hated by the establishment is he put America first. That right. was his slogan. Yes. And they don't want America first. No. Right. They right. want America taken down, and that's why they're encouraging Iran. They're not trying to stop. They don't want to stop Iran. They don't, they don't want to. Well, and, you know, you brought up a great point earlier, Bill, in that... You talked about these alliances. You know, right now uh, we see, you know, China and Russia and Iran and all these are kind of like, okay, you guys do this, you do this. And they're all basically challenging us to see if we're willing to, to step in and stop it. But what's fascinating to me is you've got to wonder if China and Russia are looking down the road 
to the implications of a nuclear-armed Iran. Because bottom line is, once they have it, once Iran has the capability, uh, those rockets are just as easy to, to redirect to Moscow or to Beijing as they are to Washington, D.C. And, you know, we went through this. I mean, bear in mind, guys, China and Russia were our allies in World War II. And people forget that. You know, uh, it was after World War II that that uh, Russia finally stole the technology from us to build an atomic bomb. And I think it's interesting that we're labeling the various groups uh, as we would label the groups here in America, like liberal and conservative, the fundamentalist groups and the like. Mm-hmm. Because I think when it comes right down to it, as you said, once they develop the ability to fire nuclear weapons, it doesn't make any difference who you are. Oh, you know. All bets are off. Well, do you remember uh, our good friend, uh, Professor Marvin Schulte, his best analogy, I thought, was the king of the hill. Right. Whoever's yes. at the top, uh, and it doesn't matter who it is, whoever climbs that sand pile and gets to the top, then everybody else is going to try and pull them down. Yeah. And so it, it doesn't matter. In China and Russia, if you're listening, you need to pay attention because... They are, Iran's not going to care when you get to the top of the pile. <laughs> they will pull you off of it just as easily as they pull everybody else off. That's just it. I mean, we had that long relationship with the Shah, mm-hmm. and uh, we thought that uh, Iran was pretty much our buddies. Mm-hmm. And then they kicked him to the curb because mm-hmm. he was on top of the country. And all the Ayatollahs, mm-hmm. they wanted nothing to do with the United States. Death to America. Mm-hmm. They burned all the effigies. They mm-hmm. burned all the American flags. They uh, took the opportunity to let us know by capturing our uh, men and women, making them the, when we had the hostage crisis over there. Mm-hmm. While the whole time, while we were still uh, tending to their needs educationally by bringing their people over and teaching them how to uh, fix F-15s and the like. Sure. This was all going on while Iranians were in this country learning from us. Yeah, and militarily. Think about that. Uh, while the Shah was in there, we... we uh, boosted Iran's ab- ability to defend itself tremendously yeah. with U.S. weapons systems, defense systems, so on and so forth. They overthrew it through the Shah, and all that equipment stayed there. Does that sound anything familiar to what we just saw in Afghanistan? Right. Yeah. Mm. Go figure. We didn't learn anything from history, did we? Yeah, well, the, the communists and fundamental Islamists, they're natural enemies. Mm-hmm. But they're, they've, they have this truce going on. Mm-hmm. And the the difference between us and the Chinese is the Chinese know eventually they're going to have to fight them. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be a surprise to them. Right. They right. just think they can win. And and that's a great point. Uh, you know, they are. Uh, you know, they are not, you know, uh, they're strange bedfellows, if you will. Oh, and yeah, worse than that. They're, <laughs> they're fundamental religious people versus pure atheists. Yes. But the adamant, one, adamant atheists. But the one thing they have in common is they all hate us. Right. <laughs> and, so and once we're gone, <laughs> then they're going to fight each other. Exactly. They e- know that. Exactly. Once we're gone, that's not going to happen. And they're they're preparing for that. They they truly are. And like yeah. I say, I wonder if Russia we're, and China are aware of the fact that... Yeah, we're kind of gone in spirit right now yeah. because we're more aligned with socialism than with, with any American values right now. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we're, we're kind of out of the picture. That's why <laughs> Iran can keep on going and building their nuclear capability. And that's I think that's why we're seeing these threats in Ukraine and the threats to Taiwan 
and this threat as well. And, and uh, folks, this isn't the last one. I think you're going to see some more things pop up here in the near future, other issues where other countries are going to threaten us. It may not be militarily, but I think economically you're going to see some big pushes as well. When we, when we had the Gulf War, when we, had, uh, uh, when we went into Afghanistan, were we really going after the right people in the first place or we were just satisfying someone's desire to find somebody who we thought or not maybe necessarily thought was guilty for what happened on 9-11, but we just we created a whole, uh, a whole thought process that uh, uh, Saddam Hussein was behind everything, uh, you know, Bin Laden and everyone else. Did we really, did we really take care of the problem, or did we just <clears throat> kind of put a cork in it for now? Well, I think that's a great point in that, uh, you know, that takes us down the path of the whole industrial military complex where, you know, we make a lot of money when we're at war. We really do. Well, absolutely. And the other that's big why thing we, is... That's why we got into Vietnam. Yeah, absolutely. Kennedy didn't want us in Vietnam. And people are like, well... There's money to be made here. Let's figure out a way to do away with this guy. And they did. They offed him. And, and the other big issue is, uh, you know, when you're talking about uh, your place at the sand pile. Yeah. I mean, go in there and stomp a mud hole in somebody, anybody, you know, and, uh, you know, our shock and awe and everything. It did. It demonstrated to the rest of the world the technology that we have, the but, capabilities. But, see, it uh, was. But were we hitting the right target? I don't well, know. was it all for nothing? Right, because if that's if if we're going to shock and awe people, then shock and awe shouldn't have stopped there. We could have we we should have kept shocking and awing people well, long after that. That was where uh, uh, General Schwarzkopf said when we first went into Kuwait, we need to go on to Baghdad and finish this thing. Just like Patton um, said, we should go into Russia. Absolutely, absolutely. And so you get into that whole situation of you know uh, rules of engagements, rules of warfare. Uh, therein lies the problem. Do we have the stomach to, to fight a war and finish it? And right now, I think we're being challenged on that. I really do. Well, certainly after Afghanistan and, but, and, and, and the way we left that country in the first place. And I think, you know, again, what Bill was saying is these people are preparing for it. They, they know uh, full well if they engage us, they're not going to stop. It's not going to be rules of engagement. They'll come in and, and do what needs to be done to win. In two days, it will be a year since the quote-unquote insurrection <laughs> yeah. in Washington, D.C., right. and they're wanting to relive that and bring it all back, and NBC and CNN and MSNBC, they're all sitting there licking their chops, ready to roll through all of that all over again. Mm-hmm. But what they should be showing, and they're not, as you allude to quite a bit, is the fact that all these things are going on in other places of the world. We're not focusing on it. We're not paying attention to it. And then the next thing you know, there's, uh, I don't know, a, a bomb that goes off somewhere or a missile hits something. And then, oh, we pay attention to it, but only for a, only for a moment. Yeah. yeah. And, and all of these things are going on all over the rest of the world. But here all the media wants to focus on is some crap that happened a year ago. The Omicron variant and something that happened a year ago. Yeah, uh, you know, that's what drives me absolutely crazy. You know, and this, folks, this is what exactly what happened to the people in Europe. When World War II broke out, most of them were standing there scratching their heads. When German yeah. tanks rolled through Belgium, the, um, the, the people of Belgium were waving their flags. Yeah, exactly. Cheering for the, <laughs> for the tanks going through, not realizing they were German. They thought they were French or yeah, Belgian yeah. tanks. You know, I mean, and they're like, who are they? What are they here for? Right? Yeah. One, one quick question before we run out of time sure. here. And and not to change the subject, but uh, we were worried about the buildup in Russia 
going and 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 they're are, are have they gone into Ukraine? They haven't yet. But again, I think you know we've had how many meetings now or discussions between Biden and and Putin and Biden every time has come back. Well, we'll put sanctions on you. Russia doesn't care. Yeah. You know, and I think you know again when he's doing things like that, I don't think it's a coincidence that you now see Iran rattling their saber. Everything that comes out of Washington right now is is in the area of appeasement, you know. And if the best we can do is threaten sanctions against you, uh, that isn't going to cut it. That's not going to cut it because yes, Russia or China will step in and compensate either country for the losses that they're going to take by some sort of, of sanctions that we put on them. Pay attention to what happens beyond our borders, folks, because... As is the case, it has a big influence on what role the United States will inevitably inevitably play in 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 the fallout from whatever situation. Mm-hmm. And again, much like like I said, here comes January sixth. Oh, an opportunity to revisit something and yep. point the finger at Trump, like they're doing with with his kids now. They've uh, right. they've gone after him with subpoenas. Oh yeah, and 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 all of this. And, and, and as long as that guy is even slightly interested in twenty twenty four. This oh, is yeah. the kind of thing that we're going to see over and over. So they'll do it this January 6th, and then they'll do it. And, and why don't we make a national holiday out of it? How about that? We'll there give everybody the day off work it's so they can, all, <laughs> they can all sit around TV the and watch what the main, <laughs> mainstream media is doing and, right. and all of the players and all of the things that went down. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that one, that one oh, horrific day in our history. And, and I heard so many of these various commentators on these different shows talking about it today. And I'm like, folks, quit spinning your wheels and right. pay attention to what's really going on. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Jim, thank you, sir. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Appreciate we'll have it. you back again. And uh, I, I guess we're going to...